That record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly comic on the World Wide Web, which is a network of computers, thinking machines, connected by tubes that run under the ground and are maintained by genetically engineered rats and their giant worm slaves. The rats have their own language. Oh, wait, sorry, that was just a dream, but that was just a dream. Try, cry, why try? That was just a dream, just a dream. Just a dream. Dream. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic that perpetuates a myth of a sane, believable reality in which things make sense and people behave as if they're not sheep. The sheep have their own language, and have giant snail slaves that try and destroy the internet tubes maintained by the rats. Available at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. first uh no rodeo yeah well, no. you're, you're on watts show and they sort of you understand yeah, a month ago a month and a half yeah yeah and he sort of babbles a little bit incoherently so i think we're gonna try and keep it more on the uh um the uh um i refuse to believe that mike watts <laughs> i refuse to believe that <laughs> Man, he's the stream of consciousness guy that's yeah, right well, yeah that makes sense Good. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And we are really happy to have you guys here with us. Uh, just real quick, we got a couple of new patrons. So we got some Patreon shout-outs. We got Russell Mofsky. Uh, we got Mr. David Jones, which that, that doesn't sound like a real name. That's Davey a Jones. Name. Yeah, David Jones. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Ken Greeby. Thanks, uh, Ken. All new uh, patrons. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMA. For as little as how much? A dollar a month. As little as that. And become a patron of the show. And you get for $3 a month, you get the actual shout out that you that those. For a uh, dollar a month, we think, we think about you nicely. Yeah, we think, but we don't say. We don't mention you. Um, all right, tonight, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore because we have a very special guest tonight. Barry, who is our guest tonight? Our guest is Mr. Peter Prescott, drummer for the um, up-and-coming alt-rock ensemble Mission of Burma. And also a leader of Volcano Suns, uh, Customized, and Mini Beast. Yes, currently Mini Beast. That's the, that's, and you're playing uh, Customized and Mini Beast. You switched from drums. You're playing a uh, guitar now pretty exclusively, Correct, right? yeah. yeah. God, drum, what is it with you drummers? Oh, so many drummers I know. Eventually, they switch over. Well, I remember you playing uh, during the, uh, I saw Volcano Suns in like, 89 and they already yeah. had you were you were doing a few songs on guitar so it was already yeah, yeah. there were there were one or two i you know i i just keep my mind open and go where it feels fun to go yeah right right now i play with a drummer who is so insanely over the top good that it's a pleasure to let him <laughs> Take it away. Oh, nice, nice. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's good. That's good, especially coming from you. That's great praise. All right, so we're not here to talk about you and any of your bands, though. We're right. Here. What record did you, Peter, what record do you want to talk about? Uh, Brian Eno's Here Come the Warm Jets. Yeah. I was very pleased when you uh, picked that because we haven't done an Eno record. 
You haven't? No, this is it. Our first Eno record out of... This is episode 80. So this is our 80th uh, consecutive week doing this and no Eno record. So you're, you're, you've uh, broken the ice. Broken the Eno cherry. <laughs> it was so completely foundational that I'm shocked. I, I figured for sure somebody picked it before. No, no. And uh, yeah, you're right. I am kind of surprised because it is... Although I'll, I'll be... Uh, total honesty I never actually owned this record myself really and I didn't and I knew and I knew you know I had I, I knew uh, I, I knew more of Brian Eno from his work with other artists and sure, uh, sure. David Byrne yep. the thing he did with David Byrne yep. but when you Barry you mentioned this I go oh yeah of course I've heard of this record and then listening to it I realized oh I knew you've heard it I knew yeah I, I knew most of the songs I'd heard them before but uh, so Peter I, when did you when did you become aware of this record uh, it was it was several years after it came out, but it, I, I went through this phase kind of pre-punk where uh, all things kind of Brit prog, like Crimson and Roxy yeah. music. Oh, okay, okay. Um, oh, okay, okay. St- stuff in that vein was starting to fascinate me, and it was, you know, you know, Grand Funk and... And, and the life was starting to wear a little thin. Although I never stopped liking Black Sabbath. I exactly. Right. Well, good. Why, why would you? Yeah, would that's, you? yeah, there's no shame in that. Because they stand above. Exactly. They do. They do. I agree. Right. So the record came I'm out in... I'm getting off my tributary here. <laughs> that's all right. So the record came out in... Um, yeah, I, I, I think it was probably uh, a little pre-punk for me, like 75... Right, the record came out in '74, uh, so maybe, and you were so you were a teenager, like in in your late teens, I guess by then. So you were already uh, you 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 were listening to um, like what other stuff were you listening to at that time? And how did you get? Uh, did you just go out I and mean, get it, this record? You no, know, I was a Cream magazine reader. So ah, yeah. You know, everything they they put out there, I was yeah. like, oh man, this sounds so good. I gotta find it. Yeah, you know, yeah. whether um, the dolls or sort of like. Uh, you know, there was there was uh, actually even glam rock, the Sweet and Slade and Bowie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, was was real foundational. Um, but as weird as a lot of the you know Crimson or Roxy music got, it was it was recognizable as as rock music. Right. And this was one of those records that was sort of in among with those other ones, but it just. It's it's, it's different. So far outside. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It does have a vibe that's not um, exactly in the rock and roll. It's it's ve- it's it's rock music, but it's very um, oddly. Um, the knobs are o- turned to very odd directions. <laughs> oh, totally. No, I, 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 you know, Eno loves rock, rock music, but he he makes music that does kind of uh, hover outside of it yeah uh whether he wants to or not i I, you know right so well the thing about it's you've heard if you heard i only ever heard it recently on youtube is that the winkies the stuff he did with the winkies which is basically the group he toured with or tried to tour with after this record came out and there's versions of these that they did that are i guess in the studio and they're very much closer to being like the closest thing to rock and roll that you'll ever hear, Brian. Yeah, do, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's kind of what I figured. So, so these are these are bootlegs of some kind, or uh, you know, 
it's on YouTube. I press play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I'll, I'll look um, because uh, I, I do remember that he tried touring uh, and doing live shows, and he, he kind of hated it. I think. Well, yeah, he said it, the, the story was he got a collapsed lung. Oh, geez. which. Uh, oh, geez. I think that the package of whatever it is, jetons on the cover of the album might, you know, I think he probably was a heavy smoker, you know. So. Right, right. All right, so you were already a fan of Roxy Music, right? So you knew yes. of, uh, of Brian Eno. For those who don't know, he was a member of Roxy Music. And then the, this is really funny. I read in 1973 when he, he found himself during a song, like when they were playing, he said an entire song he was contemplating where to do his laundry <laughs> and then he decided I, uh, this isn't for me anymore <laughs> maybe he wasn't bored maybe he thought he thought like that from the beginning right <laughs> yeah right. right right but he and uh, Brian Ferry there there was a it, the, his exit from Roxy was contentious and uh, he did write a um cutting tune about uh brian ferry which he's still which we'll we'll get to when we yeah, get right. to the song because yeah, yeah, he yeah. kind of says well i i didn't realize i was writing it about him <laughs> no i i think they're they're both fascinating characters and i can totally understand why they yeah. ultimately oh play yeah right? right well coming from someone that has played with some fascinating, fascinating characters, characters and some great bands right i mean it's it's tough <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yes he um he tried touring and didn't work, and then he went and did um, he did a live thing with um, was right. that, uh, was it, Kevin Ayers? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that uh, which has some cool stuff on it. It does, and then he did also records with um, uh, some German guys, uh, Mobius and Rodelius. I don't know, probably saying it yeah. wrong. And uh, those are no, cool. I know that record. That, that's uh, that's a good one. Actually, it, it is. It's it's very like floaty and nice, and sort of moves moves along nicely. And of course, he put out you know, um, uh, taking Tiger Mountain by strategy, and then the the most of course celebrated record, you know, another Green World, which basically yep. cemented his uh, place in the you know history. But, yeah, but this is so. No, this, he, go ahead. It's always been really comfortable making things that are kind of beautiful and floaty like that. Yeah. And and the Here Come the Warm Jets and Taking Tiger are really different than that. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're actually somewhat abrasive records. And yes. I remember playing 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 both of them to my <laughs> more 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 rock based suburban friends sure. who were somewhat horrified. They, you know. Oh yeah. god. They were stoned, so <laughs> I was uh, I was listening to make something strange go down easier. <laughs> I was right. listening to this the other day in my car with my wife, and it just happened to be I think it was the second song, the Papa Negro Blowtorch. Blow and my wife, as she as she as she is wont to do, just looks at me and says, "What the fuck are you listening?" Yeah, to? <laughs> yeah. And it's I, it is abrasive, and you can see where Devo picked up a lot of cues from these two records, especially or especially the first album. Um, yep. Those synthesizer Dark sounds and the yeah. Oh, there's so yeah, much. There's so much going on. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, a lot of like pump behind it. Like it. Like it. It. If it was produced a little differently, it actually probably would have sounded like punk rock. Right. 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 But it's produced. Yes. Yeah, so, so his whole concept was he wanted to get these people, all these different kind of musicians. He got like. 
Robert Fripp from yeah. King Crimson. You yeah. got Chris Spedding and Paul Rudolph from Pink Fairies, which right. is, we've discussed right, right, on this right. show many times. Yeah, I, I love that idea, putting people that'll rub rub up against each other. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was he said. He wanted people that were incompatible with each other. <laughs> right. And uh, and then he lay and then he did all this and then he uh, manipulates everything and just yeah. makes it just but but at at its core a lot of these are just like really great songs too yeah, they're yeah. just really sure. great they pop are. songs and they stick I realize I've been listening to this record as yeah. we do when we do homework I, you know nonstop all week and these songs yeah. get under your skin they and they get in your head and they're yeah. great it's so they good. do actually they they are earworms which which yes. is a, a, a weird thing that he actually combined this sort of really uh, abrasive uh, sort of sonic uh, attack with things that were so catchy. Yeah. Right, right. And and uh, uh, much like another great band uh, that we both love, Mission of Burma. That's and this right. Is one thing I wanted to mess you up. I'm not going to kiss your ass the whole time, Peter. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not. But one thing I did notice listening to this, a lot of the drumming, especially, um, I think it's Simon King from uh, Hawkwind who does a lot of drums on it. It reminds me of your drumming style, and Peter, something I always noticed from the beginning of Mission to Burma, you had a very distinctive style. That's uh, true. A lot of drummers, like some drummers swing, and you don't swing. You have a very, <laughs> mar- you know, you have a very deliberate, martial way of playing, I and, and I, you could always tell that it's, it's Peter, Prescott playing playing drums. Peter Prescott, and I feel like, I don't know if you consciously or subconsciously, but I hear some of that on this record, too. Right, it's kind of clipped. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like wound tight, and uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, I think I was I was influenced by that side of punk rock, and I was influenced by this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. I could see. Yeah, I could well, totally see that. And it's, and it's also it's just, you. Uh, uh, just just that kind of um, uh, maybe sing songy like like a melody, but against this uh, you know almost machine like. Right. Uh, exactly. Rock. Exactly. That's what I, yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I'm good. I'm glad you sort of agree. I was afraid you were going to say, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, right. I, I swear. No, no, I do. I do. And, and, and you know, I, in some ways, I, I look, that's one reason I don't drum in the band I'm in, I guess. I, you know, I, I, um, I, I was sort of a little tired of it after uh, Brahma's second round anyway. Right. But I, I kind of wanted uh, someone that could, uh, hammer and swing a little bit more in the music I play now sure. um, rather than do that kind of like bolted in place tight <laughs> yep. right. no I think you're right all right, all right, awesome. Good. And plus, it's so much easier. All you got to do is bring a guitar and a little amp. Right. You don't have to schlep all those drums anymore. Yeah. So, like, oh, my God. This is, this is true, but I got a lot more than a guitar and an amp. <laughs> oh, okay. right. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. I figured. It's still not, I still not, moving a kid of drums, man, I always, oh. Nothing like <laughs> No, I, there's no doubt about it. Dragging him around is a bummer. But. It is a bummer. Um, all right, so let's start getting into this record. Uh, let's drop the needle on the first song, Side A. Let's listen to a little bit of Needles in the Camel's Eye.
like a you're like a young guy. You get this record, you bring it home. What do you think when you first put it down? You listen to this first song on this record. Um, you know, I, I remember it, my reaction was probably slightly like when I first heard first heard uh, the first Ramones record. Yeah. Ah, okay. Because that um, it's music that. I, I mean, you know, you're a, you're a 17 year old suburban kid, and and you've got a context for music, and this just is not within that context. <laughs> right, right. So, so I, whenever I bought something new, I was excited just because it was new. But I probably had to listen to it yeah. at least three or four times be, before I felt an affection. Yeah, there's some. I remember buying records as a teenager and bringing them home. And they made me feel weird. And I wasn't, <laughs> like, I bought Uncle Meat, the Mothers of Invention record. Stories. And listen to that as a teenager. And I just didn't have any, you just don't have any any points of reference to, like, that- go, what, what the fuck? So basically, for the first few years I owned that record, I would just play the side that's all King Kong, which is an instrumental. And so I was cool. Like, okay, I get this. But the rest <laughs> of it... You know, you just were like, man, this makes me feel really strange. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to decide, hey, maybe that's kind of a good thing. Right. You know? oh, well, yeah. then well, you start to seek it out. Music. Yeah. Yeah, they usually end up becoming your so, favorite. So much music that people listen to now is all about a comfort zone. Yeah. And sure. sometimes even when, they, when it's punk rock, because, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when people are going to reunion shows, they're. Yeah. There's a certain mindset there, and I totally understand where they did it, and I'm glad they did it for us. Right, right. But, uh, but I still say it's sort of a generally unhealthy thing, you know. I, <laughs> you're I, right. You're right. I, okay, I, I agree. Yeah. The idea that like you you might listen to music that is distinctly not in your comfort zone. Right. 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 Well, I'm okay. I'll I'll put one caveat in there: is that Susan and I flew to Atlanta last weekend to see the reunited after I don't know 20 years stereo lab and yeah. uh it was spectac- it was fucking spectacular um, well, yeah. you know I, I that's why I can't put down the idea it, it has a validity and and it I'm like there's nothing wrong with feeling good right I'm not, you know I'm not I'm not sort of against that idea I I just think like let's put it this way especially when it when I'm I was that age listening to music. I got like 10 years of this like amazing assault of music. Bands that like one after another. It was like Joy Division, Gang of Four, and I, I think ESG. I probably heard in the same week. Ah, wow. yeah. You know, and yeah. all, all the uh, stuff actually was just tumbling forward. And, I, and maybe I got spoiled because everything was just so cool i've we've i've thought about that and i realized that we sort of are we do um have our our center of gravity as a show is definitely in that era and we do it's all things that are either in that era or in some way relate to that era that's when that's when everything shifted for that's when sort of we got it because yeah we listen to music for that i listened to my sister was into Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, I listened to all that shit, but this, uh, it was just something that just sort of, sort of shifted everything, you know, and everything just, yeah, yeah. it was a big moment. I, I actually, uh, you know, there were bands that I loved in the, in the 90s and Stereo Lab was one of them. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, and live, I guess if they come near you live, it's a very different, um, animal than it, than their studio recordings. 
Um, it's um, they're they're not screwing around. It's a rock band, and cool. but it's a rock band with a very unusual strategy, you know. Yeah. All right. So this song, "Needles in the Camel's Eye." I think I think what I think of it, I think of the parable that it's harder for a rich man to cross <laughs> yeah. the gates of heaven than it is for a camel to the pass, pass through the, the eye of a needle. needle. That's right. So that's what I'm thinking. But he is, Eno himself has said that he wrote this song in less time than it takes to sing it. So yeah. according to him, there's no meaning in the lyrics, but the there's lyrics are still pretty in the lyrics, cool. Well, right. Yeah. No, he's talking about, my feeling is, um, he's talking about people who are, um, you know, he's dealing with that are, you know, he considers to be sort of either hipper than himself or think they're hipper than he is. You know, those mm-hmm. who know, they don't let it show. They just give you one long glance and you go, oh, 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 you know. Right. So Peter- no, actually, I, I always thought his lyrics uh, when he was writing uh, in, for those two records were hilarious. And they are; uh, they're great. <laughs> they're so know, good. You know, one one really cool thing is like I I am uh, I'm I'm a sucker for for wordplay, and yeah, he, he he does it because the words sound interesting together. Right. Yeah. I, right. That's what I think, and and I've I've gotten a lot more into that in recent years. I I, I love the idea, you know, that sometimes there are no words, sometimes there are wordless sounds, you know. Yeah. Sometimes he he's like uh, double tracking himself, yodeling in that song. <laughs> right, right. Oh God, there's yeah, so much it, going it's on. Interesting that he he had no he threw everything at the wall. Right. I think that he um. He had been building up to this, obviously, and it, you know he thought about it um, while he's in Roxy and, and his upbringing, and then he, you know, uh, just did everything. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do everything that I can think of and throw it into this record, which is uh, uh, not like any of his other albums. Even uh, by taking Tiger Mountain, he sort of changed. You know, it's it goes into a different um, way of approaching I, yeah. things. That's the cl- that's the one that's closest, but even that is kind of separate from this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now here's the second song. This is a song that would probably would would not be released today. No. Would not be released. It, uh, problematic. A little problematic title. Let's just do a little of the Papa Negro Blowtorch. <laughs> Well, the interesting thing that you think about when you think about somebody in 1974 listening to this is that he's not a very good singer. So no, not in any technical sense. (laughs) No, and so records back then, though, you buy a rock record, and your expectation is, oh, you know, the singer is gonna. Pretty right, much be right. able to sing, especially if now, it's you're on. Right about that. There was a, there was a certain pre prerequisite of, of professionalism. Correct. Yeah, and so that's why it was shocking when something like we don't realize because we got you know you got used to you get used to hearing this stuff and you think oh but you realize somebody brought this record home and was like 
this is horrible. <laughs> or they just, because, yeah, his voice definitely is not for everyone, and it takes a little getting used to. Although I feel like, at some point, I feel, at sometimes I feel like he's trying to, uh, that uh, Brian Ferry, though he'd probably hate to admit it, Brian Ferry influenced a little, uh, a little yeah, and that he's sure. trying to sing like him. Although there's one song where he sort of mocks yeah. things well, like Well, how could you not be in a band with somebody who sings like Brian Ferry and not be influenced by it? The guy right. is... He's singular, you know, and so yeah, there's and no Ferry, way. Ferry is far more, uh, far more of a singer. Right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so this song is about uh, a specific p- person. I think you know what it's about. Uh, yeah. uh, it was a man named A.W. Underwood who lived in Paw Paw, Michigan <laughs> in the 19th century and was rumored to set things on fire with, with his, his breath. breath. Which uh, my wife, uh, my wife has told me at times that I uh, that I could yeah, set things up yeah. with my breath. But, uh, I, I, that's different. Something tells me that this is one of those. Um, there may have been a trick at work, you know, back in the days, like oh, uh, like yeah, a yeah. seances and uh, <laughs> right. etc. But he does. There's some great wordplay. in But this he was. Song. But the story was that the song is about him wanting to have a love affair, or somebody wanted to have a love affair with this guy. Well, right? yeah, yeah. Basically, this guy's stealing his girlfriend away from him. Yeah, <laughs> the Papa Negro oh, right. oh yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but there is some great word. What you were, Peter? You were talking about the wordplay. He says, "By this yeah. time, I got to looking for a kind of substitute. I can't yeah. tell you who I found, except that it rhymes with, with dissolute. dissolute." Yeah, right. I, you, that's you so know, great. A lot of those lines. Um, are so uh, words for the sake of words. Yeah. But but I always got emotion from this record. I never thought it was like cold or chilly. Or oh, no. Yeah, you're right. I agree. And, I agree. And, There's some real emotion in this record. The, those, um, I think it's because the sound of his voice, uh, as raw as it is, uh, makes it sound like he really means these surreal things he's saying. Yes. Yeah. He's a uh, commitment. Yeah, he's like, committed to when he says it. Him and and that that always made it sound, you know, emotionally resonant to me. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. and well, I get that. And I can't tell you who I found except that it rhymes. Well, there's only one word for a woman you found that rhymes with dissolute. And of course, he's found a um, a, a partner who's uh, he's paying for <laughs> oh, right. <her> services. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just great. Yeah, the lyrics are great for someone he who downplayed the lyrics on the record and said, "Well, he did." Which, which, yeah, you could tell he does a lot of time use the words as as an instrument almost as no, sure. another instrument right. yeah. for right. how they sound. But that's genius when it's done right. Something like that is genius because it oh, just I makes it, it beautiful. It, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's so good. Um, the, I mean, the last the last part of the song has got a great um, series of lines in it. Send for an ambulance or an accident investigator. Oh, yeah. Little repeat. <laughs> yeah, he's breathing like a furnace. So I'll see you later, alligator. He'll set the sheets on fire. Mmm, quite a burn- burning lover. Now he'll barber- barbecue your kitten. He's just another learner lover. You have to make the choice between the pawpaw Negro blowtorch and me. And me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get to song number three on here. Oh, this is such a good song, and it's so it's so great because the way he sings it. Well, let's just listen to a little bit of "Babies on Fire." Babies on fire. Boys are pinching 
one drum beat and then at what happens in the song and, and I'll play this up underneath um, while we're talking about it is that Robert Fripp starts soloing oh my god oh, it's man. amazing my god does he yeah, yeah and it's <laughs> right. a, a lot of people consider it his greatest recorded performance ever um, I yeah. see that I can see that just in ter- terms of like you know uh, going beyond yeah like you go, you just well. I mean, heroes. Of course, he, he shows up for to play on a Bowie record, and kind of the yep. same thing happens. But with Eno, would uh, apparently Eno would give him little verbal cues or or, or weird or th- dancing. Did you do sometimes? Yeah, he dancing. would dan- do dance yeah. movements to tell But then Robert plays play. just like basically, yeah, like a man on fire. Um, and then the, you know, there's I, I, there's weird little sounds in the background of this whole song. That yeah. insect. Oh yeah, there's chirping and, and uh, buzzing. Yes, and, no, it's a minefield of stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. Which uh, I I was really influenced by that idea that like that music can have like whether it's live or in a studio, it doesn't matter. It can have subliminal aspects. Uh, yes, you know things. Everything doesn't have to be out there. Like, right. On t- and I think that Eno was. Um, you know, he's listening to, you know, he's self-professed. He's a huge, he's a captain, huge Captain Beefheart fan. He's a huge fan of Can. And um, I think the Can thing is probably, he's, there's a little bit of that in this song. Um, that sort of um, just relentless driving beat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, a lot of these songs are basically at their core. They're kind of simple. Very they simple. Are simplistic, but, he, but it's just what he builds up on it. And like we, we said. When you know, I, ju- I just went uh, last week, I think I went to see Massive Attack. Oh, yeah. By, who I love, and they were doing my favorite record by the Mezzanine. Yeah. And I was watching them. I was thinking, like, this stuff is so insanely simple. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> Just these chords that ring out or a note that rings out for five seconds or something. And it's amazing, you know, um, I mean, uh, you know, the Pixies and Big Black did it in rock music. The, the idea of subtraction. Yes. Right. It take, taking stuff out. And, and you know, when uh, in that song, all that those insect noises and creaks and groans that are going on. They they kind of go down at a certain point, as I remember, and so does the guitar. Yes, and such, there's this big naked hole. Yes, the end of yes. The <laughs> and and I again, I was like, why can't you do that? You right, know? right, yeah. Why not? It's it's brilliant. It is brilliant. All right, man. So we're about halfway through. We take we usually when me and Barry run out of our drinks that we're drinking, we take a little quick break. 
and uh, I invite you to do the same. So just hang on for a second. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We're going to be right back with more. We're talking to Mr. Peter Prescott uh, from Mission of Burma and Volcano Suns, Customized and now Mini Beast. Uh, we're very excited. I hope we're I hope we're hiding how excited we are, Peter. But uh, we're going to be we'll be back in a minute with uh, that record. Got me high. We'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna pause it. Stay on the line. Yes. That record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly comic on the World Wide Web, which is a network of computers, thinking machines, connected by tubes that run under the ground and are maintained by genetically engineered rats and their giant worm slaves. The rats have their own language. Oh, wait, sorry, that was just a dream, but that was just a dream. Try, cry, why try? That was just a dream, just a dream. Just a dream. Dream. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic that perpetuates a myth of a sane, believable reality in which things make sense and people behave as if they're not sheep. The sheep have their own language, and have giant snail slaves that try and destroy the internet tubes maintained by the rats. Available at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. All right, we are back. This is That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. It's Rob Elba. And we are talking to Mr. Peter Prescott about uh, an album that uh, meant a lot to him. Changed Prescott. a lot of people's lives, You know, which on the record now, it's all it's listed as Eno. Eno. <laughs> yeah, I guess he thought at first, maybe I'm just going to be Eno, like, like Cher. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I bet he didn't think about it exactly that way. I don't know. You never well, know. Well, he has some kind of absurdly long name, like True. five different uh, names or La, Yeah, La, La Saint, you know, it goes on and on. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So Shall I, we chop to the one that uh, you could remember the best? Yeah. It worked out for you him. Wanna, is out. that his real name? You think that's, I mean, do you think it's his given name? Uh, Did he have weird parents? I think so. I think it's Brian Eno something, something, something. Oh, okay. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, Brian. Uh, all right, so I let's get, uh, we're on the uh, fourth song here. Let's listen to a little bit of Cindy Tells Me. most one of the more subversive songs on the record because it sounds it's basically 50s rock and roll 50s or, rock and roll right, which totally. 
uh, yeah, Lou Reed. Yeah, it's like a girl group song. Yeah. Right. Which uh, Lou Reed used to do stuff like this too. True. Uh, with the Velvet. Yeah. Where you take a very yeah. simple 50s type thing, but it's just, there's just a little yeah. subversive edge to it because yeah. of the. Uh, a good take on it, actually. I was noticing then uh, it, that it does have very much like a, a, a 50s, like really white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and oh. and it totally fits the subject matter because what's it about? This is kind of like the the trials and tribulations of college girls going off on their own for the first time. Uh, Cindy tells me the rich girls are weeping. Cindy tells me they've all given, given up, up sleeping, sleeping alone, uh, and now they're so confused by their new freedoms. Now what's a masonette? And she tells me yeah, they're sell- they're it selling up. Seems like something in a kitchen. It does doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh really yeah, guess. and left in the hot points to rust in the kitchenettes. Great again, such great uh, rhyming wordplay. It's like it's so yep. clever, so clever, yep. you know, but so great. He's, all, he's always killer at that, which is, and it's totally ironic. I thought at a certain point, okay, he is not going to make music with lyrics anymore. And he didn't. Right. Oh, he just right, stopped. Right, 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 right. Yes. He well, essentially never did again. And and it's sort of ironic because, yeah, the words were sort of a fun thing. They really were. Now, did do you remember, did this, the original record, did it have a lyric sheet in it? Or did you just sort of had a guess, guess on what, what he's what saying? He it didn't, and I remember their inscrutable lyrics. Yes, but they're so mixed in a way that it's kind of hard to hear them. Yes, right. So when, when you would blast it on a stereo, it was one of those prime records where I made up my own. <laughs> yeah, phrases. yeah, and I you find out later. Yeah. Anyway. You find out later I what he was saying. You're like, oh, <laughs> I guess it was I, a good. I, I didn't I tell do. anybody that. What's that? I say you you find you have those records where you do that and you think you know what they're saying and then you find out later it's something totally different. In fact, that happens to me a lot on this show and you're like, boy, I'm glad I never told anyone what I thought they were actually saying there because it's <laughs> well, embarrassing. That, I mean, that one in particular for me. Mm. Yep, and I think there's an undercurrent in all, any Brian Eno song with women in it there's an undercurrent of sex because yeah. he's he's a, he was a sexy boy, and I think he had a lot of girlfriends. And um, there's just that vibe in there of um, you know Brian, you know the um, the uh, uh, not a Lothario but a, a Casanova no, I character. Think, I think that's so. You know, I there's sort of a like a Lou Reed Velvet uh, underground. Uh, Undertone in some of those songs, and yeah, and yep. yeah, you can you can tell he likes the, the idea of this sort of uh, kinky atmosphere. Yeah, uh, the well, idea he, of it. He was he actually was in some, I believe it's I don't think it was video or filmed porn, but he actually there's he would took part in some. Uh, pornographic really? photo shoots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, that I did not well, know. Well, there's a reason. I'll just, I'll say this very, very carefully. Uh, Barry a, finds a lot of weird stuff on the internet, known, Peter, It's a known know. thing is that Brian Eno is, has the sort of um, attributes that you might have want for that kind of photo shoot. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were really choosing your words there. <laughs> I think we all know what I'm saying, but it's a known thing that <laughs> Brian, a, Brian yeah. he's, pa- he's packing, he's packing heat. <laughs> Stepping from word to word on that. Yeah, one. Brian Eno's packing heat, and it's a known. It's a known. Uh, he's you know. <laughs> All right, according to Barry Stott. Nah, I think you, I don't think you don't have to look very far. All right, let's go. Uh, song number five. I think it's in his book. 
Actually, is, it's in his book. There's, you know, oh, okay, someone, okay. you know, well, Brian Eno has a huge if I dick. Book, I think is how it was. If, comes out. If, if, if there's actually honest, a good, there's a good documentary on him too. On his dick. No. <laughs> oh, John. No. <laughs> yeah, it's called the dick that fell to earth. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's on YouTube, probably. No, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I imagine there would be a good uh, documentary. He's definitely an interesting fellow. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get to this. The last song on side one before we flip it over. Listen to a little bit of driving me backwards. driving me backwards and I looked all over I couldn't find uh, I couldn't find this information for sure but it sounds to me like he sang this backwards and then played it back like he oh, tried to so, sing yeah. what he was singing backwards and then reverse the tape that's you know, some of that's I possible hope, I hope he did that <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah uh, no, no I uh, it definitely has a great like uh, like horror movie Yes, it's yeah. like war. It's like a warbling. Next time I listen to it, I will definitely pay attention to what. You yeah, did. and I want. And there's more I than one vocal track. And I think this is as close to. And I, I heard this in here just now. This is as close to a blues song as Brian Eno will ever get. <laughs> oh, okay. That, because it's got sort of the you know, if, like what I'll do is transpose the voice in my head to some like a blues singer. Right. And if right. you hear, think about uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, um, that did uh, I put a spell on you? Screaming, Screaming Jay, Jay Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine Screaming Jay Hawkins singing this, and you go, oh. Actually, I could. Yeah, yeah it's there. I, I like that connection. And, and the music again, really simple. Only three chords. And actually, if you listen to it, each chord, each chord is very similar. There's only it sounds like he's just changing yeah. one note in each chord. Well, he's, I, mean, I think he writes it. these things on piano. And so he'll move like uh, what's the minimum number of fingers right. I can move to get one it to note. sound different. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, just as far as the lyrics, I have no proof of this either, but at the end he says, uh, uh, um, and you were driving me backwards, kids like me gotta be crazy. And then, then he goes, do 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 I think Sting, <laughs> I think Sting stole that for do 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 da 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 Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, anything bad that we can, we can lay on Sting, yeah, I'm down with do, that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, but that's just, uh, again, just the, um, just a haunting, uh, really... Yeah, yeah it's creepy. Song. It's, ju- it's, it's got a creepy sound. 
It's a nice side ender for that reason. I remember it like, is, yes. That's the one that he he leaves you with, you know. Right, yes. right. It sounds so like uh, you know, like a haunted house or something. Yeah, right. And, that's a great thing about it, records. That's what I kind of miss about records, just buying the records and doing that. The sequencing was over. so important. Absolutely. And this one, yeah, this record I think is sequenced really good. Yes, I, it I is. really like the way it is. Alright, so we flip the record over. And now we got uh, this. This is a beautiful. This is probably my favorite song on this record. I just think it's beautiful, and we're going to listen to on some far away. This song is a big earworm for me. Just the, oh, the melody of it. It is gorgeous, yeah. And and I realized a, this song, like a lot of songs, he doesn't bother with the uh, choruses in the song. No. The song doesn't have a proper no. chorus, which a lot of his songs don't, but they have these yeah, beautiful line melodies. After line. Yes. yes, yes. And this one definitely a tip of the hat to the Phil Spector Wall of Sound production. The 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 yeah, uh, the, 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 the the reverb, the echo, and everything. It's, you know... Oh, it's got that long, dreamy intro. All right, now I have something that I... I have a question for both of you guys. One thing I thought of... Um, a pet Sounds. This song sounds like it could be something to be on well, Pet Sounds. Well, Pet Sounds is also Brian Wilson responding to Phil Spector, who he both worshipped oh, right. and competed okay, okay, with okay. in his head. And the Beatles, too. And the Beatles, right, yes. Right, yeah. right, Well, we, we talked about the Beatles last week, where the Beatles are like the black hole. We talk about them every week. Like, <laughs> at some point, no matter what band we're doing, we could be doing the Angry Samoans, and, <laughs> and the Beatles will come up. <laughs> They're like the black hole. Everything sort of circles around the Beatles. You can't escape. They're they're there. Yep. Yep. And this he also this is more like the kind of song um, he did later on before and after science has more of these sweet and yeah. Yeah. Walking through clouds, you know. Yeah, and and the and this these. There's nothing sinister about this one. This is although, one- but I did read online. Some people speculate that it's actually about suicide. And if you read the lyrics and think of that, then it's a little uh, sinister. Yeah. Okay. There you <laughs> go. It's unlikely. I'll you know be what remembered. I thought was purposeful actually is, is that he he had this song that's like you know 
uh, this dreamscape thing, right? And then it goes smack dab into the next one. Blank, oh blank. yes, that's true. I just <laughs> one, which, which is about as jarring as you could be. It is, and it's a real jar- yes, jarring from this Very into the other so. one. They don't leave much space. It goes right into it. Just real quick on this one, though. In some- fact, it, that's got to be on purpose. He's doing. He's putting you to sleep. And right. it's like when there's a loud, you know, you're trying to take a nap and right. then, right, something, you know, somebody slams you, the door. You were definitely on point with the um, with the Phil Spector, too, because I just, I'm actually just reading now, according to, he did an interview with Chrissy Hind in 1974, and there, according to him, there are 27 piano tracks on this oh, song, on shit. that song. Wow. That's Phil Spector. <laughs> That's Phil Spector. Awesome. All right. So then it jumps right into Blank Frank. Blank Frank is the messenger of your doom and your destruction. Yes, he is the one who will set you up as nothing. He is the one who about as rock and roll as you can get, uh, Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. So badass. Yes, yes. I realize now, um, listening to this, okay, David Bowie, um, the song Up the Hill Backwards off of Scary Monsters, is pilfered this, both this, and of course he used the Bo Diddley beat, but there's a direct line between those two things where Bowie, as is his want, is carefully lifting things from other people and and putting them into his vocabulary in a way that you go, oh, that's just amazing. And you yeah. and later on you go, oh, wait a second. You know, he got that somewhere else. Actually, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah of course. That's what Bowie did. You know, he was a magpie, kind of like Led Zeppelin. He was way craftier at it than Led Zeppelin was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's it, who's Blank Frank? Blank Frank, he, he has a memory that's as cold as an iceberg. <laughs> the only time he speaks is in incomprehensible proverbs. You oh, know you who do? he is? Yes, I do. He's the messenger of your doom and your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need we're, we need some more specifics. That's awesome. <laughs> but this I love song. this line. Oh, the the line. He's on the menu, on the table. He's the knife, and he's the waiter. He's the siren. He's the air raid. He's the crater. He's e- it's like uh, he's everywhere. So yeah, yeah, that is good. great. And this song has the amazing quality of being both modern sounding and primal at the same time, yeah. which yeah, I yeah. love uh, because it sounds like it, it sounds like something that could be released today. You can't, you can't, yeah. And but it's got that primal Bo Diddley beat. It so does. I love oh, shit like yep. that. Yeah, it's it's almost. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Trogs. Uh, there and you go. Exactly. Sometimes that song almost sounds like a trog song. Oh, exactly. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now we get to the song that uh, allegedly that Brian Eno, Eno originally said, oh, it's just stream of conscious <laughs> lyrics. And then he uh, changed his mind a little. Let's listen to <laughs> Dead Finks Don't Talk. Oh, cheeky, cheeky. Oh, naughty, sneaky. You're so perceptive, and I wonder how you knew. Mm. 
Well, the next li- the next line in that, oh, you headless chicken! <laughs> Can those poor teeth take so, so much, much kicking? kicking? You're always so charming. This is clearly about Brian Ferry. Absolutely, you're always so charming. And then he says, as you pack your way up there, he sings it exactly like Brian. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's taking the piss because he he really hated Brian Ferry at that point. <laughs> that, hey man. Sometimes Venom makes great it songs. It does. It oh, sure yeah. Sometimes? does. Sometimes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. I had That's somebody great. I was mad with um, this morning for no good reason, but um, I thought about, you know, the next time I see him, I was going to say, hey, have you ever heard the song Sonic Reducer? You know the first time? <laughs> I don't need anyone. I don't need no mom and dad. Don't need no pretty face. Don't need no human race. Got some news for you. Don't even need you to. Of course, I won't do that because uh, I'm too chicken. But <laughs> you won't go sing that into some poor guy's face. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're too nice, not chicken. Yeah, there's that maybe Barry's that. Barry's not. Barry's not. Believe me, Peter. Barry's not that. <laughs> it's nice. more. Ch- it's more chicken. <laughs> yeah, he's chicken. I appreciate your honesty. Um, yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. He's totally cutting Brian Ferry, and um, and again, this song has that drumming. I said that that Marshall drumming, which also yep. uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm really drawn to, and it's definitely distinct to certain drummers. And yeah, and you are definitely yeah. Oh my God, talk about not swinging. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> right, right. I, I gotta think he's so he's giving yes, yes. He's giving him directions. Like he's he talked about in various interviews about like recording people in in, in the same room together or where they could they could only barely hear each other, so they couldn't. They had to listen really carefully. They couldn't like play off each other, which <laughs> usually that's what bands want to do. <laughs> right. So he's right. setting up, you know, scenarios that make things happen differently. Yeah, yeah. Which is oh. great. Which is brilliant. Yeah. When it works, like on this record, obviously it worked. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get uh, the night song. This is also another really beautiful, nakedly beautiful song. I really like this song too. Some of them are old. Yep. that so much yeah that's a good one it's so bizarre though it's like a it's like philip glass crossed through the 19th 
1920s, like, yes. cool right. voice yes. uh, hat guy. The yes. song it reminds me of is, uh, you know, in um, Dr. Strangelove, um, we'll oh, yeah. meet again, don't yeah. know where, don't know when. Yeah, it's got that again. feel. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, and I, I think the character, main character's maybe dead? <laughs> Some of them are, and when they do remember, why wouldn't someone say "remember me"? It's like a, you know, that's the kind of thing that you know someone going off to war says, or right. yeah, right. No, it's definitely a, a ghostly vibe. Uh, indeed, it is. Yes. And Lucy, what about poor Lucy? She's uh, yeah. she's still in hide your madness in a jar. Yeah, right. Don't show uh, everybody how nutty you are. <laughs> but oh. do beware. It will follow you. It will follow you. <laughs> yeah, she can't escape. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I, I was always, like, pretty emotionally invested in, in this music, considering that it was so basically alien. You know? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's exactly there right. Is, there's a heart behind it all. There really is. Even there if is. Maybe he wouldn't want to admit it, maybe, but uh, yeah. there's a heart. Oh, or I else- always found it, so... Yeah, or else it would just be like this cold, weird music that wouldn't affect you at all. It wouldn't have. But it's very effective. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe just we're all weirdos. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. (laughs) That's that's, There's probably people who would agree wholeheartedly with that uh, And this one has some really weird cool slide guitar at the end, which yeah. reminded me of you, Barry. Oh, you may not yeah, know this, yeah, Peter. Yeah. Barry Stock is actually a really good uh, slide player. And uh, I love it's very untraditional slide it guy is. playing at yeah. the end. Well, it's, it's really probably good. Eno. With, uh, you know, he had these guitars. Robert Fripp is, has discussed how much he hated Brian Eno's guitars. Brian Eno had these crappy, awful Japanese guitars from the 60s <laughs> oh. with, with in, really rusty strings on them. But he would <laughs> use those to make those sounds because they don't make a traditional electric guitar sound. So you put it through, you know, a, a fuzz and, a, and a, a filters and stuff, and you get something that sounds like um, a completely different instrument. So that's right. what he's doing. Yep. And and that song, you would you would almost think that would be the end song of the record, but it's not because we have the title uh, song is actually the last song on the record. Uh, and okay, I, I got to tell you something. Good. I I always. When I when I heard this and taking Tiger Mountain, I thought Brian, you know, this is how screwed up I was. I thought he was going to be a huge rock star. <laughs> I I was somehow convinced of it, and I I always pictured like I'm talking like an arena rock show where oh he would God. begin with this last song. Wow. Well, wow. maybe uh, Chris and Blackwell he, was thought that also because he signed from he signed, but, Chris Blackwell signed him on Island Records, so maybe he thought that too, you know. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. It did not. But (laughs) but as a matter of fact, he was a driving force behind the the biggest rock band of what would you say the mid '80s to what was the heyday of U2? Oh right, U2. Yeah. I mean, he produced some of their biggest records. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. And also, so um, you were so you were sort of on point, Peter. You were. (laughs) Well, yeah, in a roundabout way. Right. 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 Um, all right, so let's listen to the final song in this record, the title track, Here Come the Warm Jets.
album, this 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 whole album is something that kind of grows on you, and it definitely uh, grew on me a lot. And I'm sure it, it did with you when you first got it. You probably just you know couldn't. It's not something you could take in all at one no. time. Um, I, I think that's true. Well, like I said, it, well, especially when I was 17. But uh, yeah, it took me several lessons. Right. But this song, when I'm listening to this, I'm thinking you could you could have told me. Uh, my Bloody Valentine just put out like a new song or something and yeah. played me this and I yeah. think, oh, okay, that's... <laughs> a lot of people have heard this. That's, and that's good. I like that. It, yeah, it's just, it, it's crazy. It has this uh, timeless quality that it just, yeah. it, it's really Well, that's amazing. how all the good, you know what? That's how all the good stuff is and you can't ever that's predict good. what's going to be that. So you'll right. get to a certain point and you think, man, you know, I used to really love this record and then you put it on and something about it didn't translate. And then you get records like this where yeah, right, just, there's right. just a timeless quality to them, and it's in, it's almost inexplicable. Uh, yep. you, you don't know which ones are going to do it and which ones aren't. But, of course, once an artist does it, they'll tend to do it more than once. Um, so people, some people have a knack at making you know timeless things. Yep. And this also has the Phil Spector quality as well, where there's... There's a lot of stuff going on. There is. Actually, you, you, you know what's amazing about that song is that it it starts off and there's a, like a vibrating pulse to it. Yeah. But but there's no drums. Yes. Right. It, I what, think I think the drum, I think he mixes them up. There, yeah. They're almost off. Yep, exactly. And then he just gradually fades them up and it sounds like Keith Moon just suddenly <laughs> appears. <laughs> right. It's yeah. really it's it's one of one of the wildest little production tricks I've ever heard. Well, there's Lou Reed does it on uh, on the there's a song on Street Hassle. It's an old Velvet song called "We're Gonna Have a Real Good Time Together." Yeah, yeah. And the first, this like a four minute song. The first three minutes, it's very odd, like this, where it's obvious that there's missing things going on, and then at the end, they push the faders up and the drums come in, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is incredible!" And then, but with that version of it, what you wish was. You just wish he would have pulled the faders up a little bit sooner because it, it, you know, it's so incredible. And you're like, damn, that was too short. But I guess, you know, Lou was a cranky guy. Hey, Barry. Yeah. Uh, You know the song uh, Kicks? Oh, yeah, sure. It's on uh, Coney Island Baby? Yes. Yep. I think so. Yes. One of those um, records, one, yeah. One that has like sort of a party going on all the way through it. <laughs> right. the, the sounds of people like glasses clinking and everything. Yeah. And he's kind of like muttering under it. And <laughs> uh, again, like, similar idea. It's very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lou Reed comes up a lot. He's another one of our. Um, yeah, he does. Pe- and also, Peter, I will tell you this: not that I'm going to start kissing your ass again you right go. at the end because we're at the end of the show. But Mission to Burma actually comes they up do. a lot in this show because it's either a band that we say ah, they definitely listen. No, they to listen Mission to Burma, Mission to Burma, or maybe an older band we say I think Mission to Burma listen to these guys. <laughs> to that. So yeah. yeah, you definitely then, come up. You know, I'm 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 glad it's there. That's yeah, I mean, you should be, man. You should be really proud yeah. it's there. And uh, man, we were so happy to have you on the show. Yeah, Peter. thank you, this Peter. Was, it was uh, awesome. It was very exciting. No I had a blast. So what? Uh, so, Mini Beast is the best way to get you guys on the um, Bandcamp. Is it MiniBeast.Bandcamp.com? It, it's, it's everywhere. Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, everywhere. Oh, awesome. Um, okay. We we what we did is we put out two records. It, I, I suppose it could have been a double album. They're long songs. 
uh, you're supposed to like um, go, you know, go and make coffee or something while you listen to this. It's not. <laughs> it's great. It's you great. Know, I, I, it's really there's some stuff. there's some eight ten minute songs on both both records, but one is silver wax, one is gold wax, um, and they both should be completely out and available in like two weeks. Beautiful. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the stuff I heard on the on the Bandcamp link was uh, was, was great. I loved it. And yeah. uh, aren't you glad you're not cool. playing drums on those eight, uh, uh, 12 minute songs? No. <laughs> no, thank God I'm not, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Peter. Yeah, thanks again for being yeah. on the show. You were a great guest. And, uh, yes, you were. Definitely thank love you, to have sir. you on again. Uh, next week, what do we got next week, Barry? Well, I, I'm afraid to click on it because I don't want to screw up the recording. Richard but, yeah. Fergus. <laughs> Richard uh, Vergas doing uh, Ministry Psalm 69. Yeah, Ministry Psalm And Coach. Rich, I got to say about Richard is Richard is uh, one of the few artists I know who's actually successful at being an artist. He actually supports himself. He is, right? He is. How the fuck does yeah. he do that? He's good. Uh-huh. He's really good. Are you sure he doesn't have a trust fund, too? No. As uh, far okay. as I know, Richard <laughs> goes to a job every day, but he also does really cool well, this collage him. art that's uh, very distinctly his. And a lot of people like it, and a lot of people he is. Uh, pay, pay it. He's, He's a great a guy. guy. All right. Awesome. And, all right. So uh, thanks again, Peter, for being on the show. Yeah, this was really great. We, it was very exciting for both me and Barry. And, it was. Uh, it was a great record. I was, so. I was nervous as shit all day. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just be. We, we get nervous. Um, all right. So uh, once again, thank you, everyone. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron of our show. We would love that. Uh, once again, that's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. This is That Record Got Me High. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>